Weekly, text-based, Tanya, what chapter are we on? 50. 50. How many chapters total are in, Tanya? 53. 53. We're getting close to the end. Okay? All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So since chapter 41 started, what have, we, what have we been talking about? Love. Love and awe. Love and awe of whom? Hashem. And how do we cultivate love and awe of Hashem? Meditation. Okay, so we've been speaking about different things to think about that will create different types of love and awe of Hashem. We are now on chapter 50, which is sort of the end of this section. Isn't 50 also yoga? Uh, yeah, 50 has that significance. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 41 through 50 basically is one string of ideas. You could tell, because the way 50 starts, it's like, oh, by the way, I want to just tell you before we finish, it doesn't say literally those words, but like, I want to give you one more type of love that we haven't mentioned so far. And that, yeah, and then in 51, it starts another topic, which goes until the end of the book. So basically, yeah. Why do I call it a book and not a safer? Because I'm an American boy and I speak English. <laughs> I also go to weddings and not chasanas. Okay? <laughs> it's a book. It's a holy book. They call it safer. Okay. Oh, that's too rabbinic for me. Uh, okay. At any rate, so chapter 50. We're going to introduce another kind of love. And it's an unusual type of love. It is categorically different than all the other types of love. But I'm giving away what he says at the beginning of the chapter, okay? But this is, this is it. After all the other types of love and awe that we've learned about, this is the last type of love that we learn about. This is the last chance at love. Not really, because you, no, you could always go back and relearn. Okay. All right. Pedignon. Chapter 50. Vihine. All of the types of love that have been mentioned up till now in the Sefer. Why don't we call it Ava? Not, why do you call it love? Call it Ava. Why call it a book? I call, why not call it a Sefer? Why do you call it a book? In fact, why are we translating any of these words? No more translation. Okay. <laughs> All the types of love we learned about so far are from the right side, and they are like the koyhein ish chesed. A koyhein is a koyhein, like uh, a descendant of Aaron a koyhein, you know, the priestly class. Ish chesed means a man of kindness. Okay, let me explain all this because these are various different ways of saying the same concept. The right side, Kabbalistically, you know, there are two axes, the right and the left. Okay? So the right is chesed, kindness. The left is gvura, severity or self-restraint. So all the types of love so far have been from the right side, the side of kindness, which kind of makes sense because love... And kindness, loving kindness, avas chesed, I mean, that's like, yeah. that's a thing, right? All right. Koyhein also is the same concept. You have a koyhein, and you have a levy. No, I'm just saying, when you say koyhein, koyhein is opposed to levy. Or Yisrael, yeah, but Yisrael sort of in between. But Koyhein is one side, Levi is the other side. It's like if I say... you say Hakoin or Levi, you don't say Hakoin. You don't say Hakoin, no, you don't say that. Because it's not a title. Everyone's got that. Yeah. Okay, but follow me here. Koyhein and Levi. The Koyhein is an Ish Chesed. Chesed is the right side. Koyhein is identified with the right side. The Levium are identified with the left side, with Gvura. Yeah, Koyin is Chesed, Levi is Gvura. Yeah. What? Well, 
Is it different? Yeah, it is a different, but it's consistent. So I'll repeat what you just said. Avram is chesed, Yitzchak is gvura. Very good. Doesn't mention that here, but that's true. Avram is chesed, kindness. He did hospitality. He welcomed strangers into his house. And Yitzchak is gvura. He dug wells, which the whole idea of digging wells is sort of that focus and that in introspective work, going deep. Um, it's also the idea of from above to below and from below to above. From above to below is chesed, where you take something from on high and you bring it down magnanimously, generously, the flow from, from, from on high, that's chesed. When you dig the hole in the ground and you bring the water up that was hidden, that's gvura. So things that come from above to below are chesed. Things that go from below to above, that's gvura. And you have both in the world because there's a dynamic flow of energy in, in the universe. But chesed is the flow from above to below, and gvura is the flow from below to above. Okay? So we said all the types of love we've studied so far, unsurprisingly, pretty typical of love, have been from the right side, and they are characterized by a koyhein ish chesed, meaning what you would expect of love. Love is taking something from above and bringing it down. Generosity, um, giving, all that stuff. V'nikrois kesef hakodshim. It's also called holy silver, which is a bit of a pun. Like it says, you have surely been yearning for the house of your father. Nichsef nichsafto. It's a pun. Kasef is silver, but also kisof is longing. So now we have a few things. This is all consistent, though. It's all one concept. Love is chesed, which is koyhen, which is kasef, which is kisof. By the way, the kasef, the silver, is linguistically, yeah, it's a pun, with kisof, which is longing, which is the same idea. But it's also, uh, <laughs> visually, the silver is sort of uh, symbolic of water. And water is also from the right side, because water flows from above to below. As opposed to what? You want to guess the opposite of water? What's the opposite of water? Fire. What direction does fire go? You ever, lear you ever learned uh, how to hold the Havdalah candle without burning yourself? Right? Where do you hold it from? From the bottom, because the fire goes up. Correct. Okay. So water goes from above to below. Fire goes from below to above. What were you saying? How does silver come to water? Right? How does silver come to water? It looks like water. Silver looks like water? Yeah. Really? And you know what gold looks like? Fire. 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 Okay. You're saying in the coloring? I'm telling you how we categorize it. It's not about your personal feelings about it. I'm telling you the categories. I'm telling you the categories. Now, I'm not talking because it's liquid or solid or anything. I'm talking about that it's cool colored. It's a cool color. Well, we're going to get to it because that's really the focus here. We're going to get to it. Okay. Kisof is longing. <laughs> However, there's another kind of love, meaning it's in its own category. You're already, oh, you're thinking, you're thinking ahead, yeah, you're right, okay. There's another kind of love, which is actually qualitatively superior. It is greater, yes, he says it's oila alkulana, it surpasses all the other types. Kemilis hazahav ala kesef, like the superiority of gold over silver. And it's not just we're using that as a simile. It is greater than the other types of love, like gold is greater than silver. We're actually being very specific in that metaphor because it is gold-like as opposed to regular love, which is silver-like. It is a fiery love, like gold is warm-colored, as opposed to regular love, which is more like water, which is, like I said, symbolized by silver. 
<coughs> this is a love like a glowing coal fire. Which come from the supernal gvures. Hey, mostly love comes from chasadim, from the right side, chasid. This is love from gvures, from gvura, which is from bina ilah. What's bina ilah? So you know chokma bina das, right? Okay. So chokma bina das are emotions? No. They are. Okay, cognitive faculties, right? Chachma bin Adasa, the Meichen, Chabad, right? Okay. So, Chesed and Gvura are emotions? Yes. Yes, okay. So here's the deal. On an emotional level, you have Chesed and Gvura, which we'll call kindness and discipline, and they're sort of mirror images of each other. But they have their source in the cognitive faculties. Chesed is sort of a, a derivative on the emotional level of what Chochmah is on the cognitive level. And Gvura is the same way with Bina. Bina is the cognitive faculty that breaks things apart and analyzes them. And a level of chachma, ideas are sort of hazy and abstract. I'm not going to get into a whole long explanation of this. I think I can do it in under ten, uh, t- uh, under two minutes, maybe even under one minute, because uh, it's not the point here. But chachma is often compared to sight. You look at a picture and you see it all instantly. Now, it might take a while to unpack afterwards, but you can take it all in instantly. Bina is often compared to hearing. How long does it take to hear a song? As long as the song. You can't just play a second of it and hear the song. It takes time because it's broken down. Sight happens all at once. Auditory processing happens over time because it's broken down piece by piece of information. All right? Chachma is when you're in your brain just sort of Boom! Just these immediate flashes. In fact, it's called Baraka Mavrik, the, the flash of intuition. And it's, it's lightning fast. Bina is you're breaking it down. You're analyzing it. You're talking it out. You're exploring it. Um, so that's cognitively. Bina is what women excel in, right? I've mentioned that before, yes. Oh. Which is to take one idea and to expand upon it in all different ways and turn it into a thousand yeah, different conversations. Women? Uh, excel at breaking things apart? Yeah, yeah, at analyzing, yeah. But I don't want really like making comments that characterize <laughs> women or men of being a certain way because I don't, I don't think it's helpful. I think it's more helpful to start saying your own, feminine, your own femininity or your own masculinity. So whether you're a man or a woman, the masculine cognitive faculty is that which sees a flash of intuition but can't explain it, can't break it down. Your feminine cognitive faculty is that which breaks it down and analyzes it and, and, and examines the, the parts. So that's the cognitive faculty. Why is that similar? And there's masculine and feminine in all of us. Yeah, there's masculine and feminine in all of us. Right. And by the way, these two axes are also masculine and feminine. And if you're following and you're actually capable of thinking in terms of analogies, then you already know which of, between chesed and gvura, which one is masculine and which one is feminine. Because it follows the pattern, right? What's the pattern? Which would be which? Correct. Chesed is masculine, Gvura is feminine. Okay. So, the reason why we say that Gvura is rooted in Bina is because on a cognitive level, Bina does what Gvura does on an emotional level. On a cognitive level, Bina breaks things down to analyze it, which is necessary for any type of practical application of an idea. Emotionally, that's what Gvura does. Gvura is also the, the, the idea of, of breaking things down. Gvura is also sometimes called Din, which is judgment. Right? So, 
Chesed is just like, I'm all in, let me do it, because he's loving kindness. Um, Gvura is like, hold on, let's take a step back. Let's evaluate. Let's measure this and make sure it makes sense. Okay. So what we're saying is most love, unsurprisingly, is more from the side of chesed. I say it's unsurprising because that's more like what you typically think of when you think of love. But there's an unusual type of love that's in a category all to itself. Remember from Sesame Street, one of these kids is doing his own thing? So there's a category of love that is gvura. It's gvura, yeah. And it's associated, instead of being associated with a coin like most love, it's associated with a levy. Instead of being associated with silver like most love, it's associated with gold. Instead of being like most love where it's from above to below, this is from below to, ab from below to above. Okay. But chesed and gvura are both emotions, right. so it doesn't make sense to say that levi is emotion and therefore is chesed, because chesed and gvura are both emotions. Gvura is also an emotion. So rethink that. So because levi Why is it counterintuitive you, to you that a levi is gvura? Because levi are the ones that play the music and... And music is nice? Yeah, and mean people don't play music. Okay. <laughs> Vura is not mean. So this is, this is, okay, I'm glad you're bringing this up. Yeah. Vura is not mean. Music is very structured. It's a little bit different. Right, but it takes, but it puts your whole neshama. Chesed and Gvura, so, let me explain something to you. It's not like Chesed is emotion and Gvura is the lack thereof. That is incorrect. It's not like Gvura is the throttle that, prevents emotions from coming out. That's, that's completely incorrect. Vura itself is an emotion. Music is generally associated, generally, although there are different layers and levels of nuance, but generally, as a category, music is Vura. Why? Because it's from below to above. It is reaching beyond. We, when, when, when we sing, we're reaching beyond. We're trying to get out of ourselves. And that's why the Leviim are associated with the music in the Beis HaMikdash. Yeah, that could be also. I mean, I haven't seen that explained in the holy books, but... Yeah, it makes sense, what you're saying. Okay. So, he continues to describe it. That means that through meditation, meditation, always meditation, where do emotions come from? I mean, good ones come from meditation. Through meditation, Bigdilis ain'ts of Baruchu. He meditates on the greatness of the Infinite One. That everything in front of Hashem is like nothing. Through that meditation, he's thinking about how Hashem is infinite and the whole world is like nothing compared to Hashem. Are you picturing it? Thinking it? Okay. What happens? His soul sort of gets ignited, catches flame. It becomes uh, like, has this passionate flame desire to behold the, what, what it calls, the Malka, the glory of the king. So it's thinking about how compared to Hashem, the world is not. So what do I want in the world? Don't want the world, I want him. And there's this passionate desire to just go, go up to him. Let me get me out of here. I don't want I don't want this world. I want him. Like a glowing coal fire or a flame, a powerful flame that's rising upward. Again, up. And they become separate from the wick or the wood that it is burning on. The irony of the flame 
is that it wants to do something that is self-destructive. It wants to leave the thing that it's consuming. It wants to leave the fuel. If it leaves the wick or the, or the wood that it's burning, so it's going to disappear. But the flame is yearning. And you say, flames don't have any yearning. They don't have aspirations. What's with this anthropomorphic description of flames? Okay, well, first of all, I don't know. Did you ever talk to a flame? So why are you assuming they don't have aspirations? But sometimes we... That's right. That's right. That's right. Wrong crowd. That's right. You do. Okay, so then you're familiar with the flames. And the flames are yearning. They're striving. And they want to go up. They want to go to heaven. They don't want to be stuck down here. And that's gvura. Chesed is, look at this world. Hmm, we could improve this world. Let's import some good stuff to this world and make the world more godly. That's chesed. Bring it down. Let's get some good spiritual energy and bring it down to the world and make the world a better place. That's, that's chesed. Gvura is, look at this world. It's finite. It's false. Let's get out of here. Let's just go up to the source. Let's go up. Let's go up to the truth. Okay. So the flame wants to separate itself from the wick and go up. Yeah. Is there a differentiation between how you access the Like How you access it or how you apply it? Would both through meditation? Oh, how you access it? They're both through meditation. All. It's an orientation that at, when you go into the meditation, you have a specific um, sort of you're pointing in a certain direction. And I mean, ultimately, all these meditations, you're thinking about God. You're thinking about the greatness of God. But it's a particular angle. I mean, literally, it's an angle. Like a perspective is called an angle. An angle is also a trajectory. Like the perspective that you take on your meditation on God is also... <laughs> A trajectory. It's the direction that you're pointed. So sometimes you're pointed in a chesed direction, which is, let's bring godliness down into the world. Sometimes you're pointed in a gvura direction, which is, let's get out of this world and go up to God. So what is the gvura Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Spoilers. <laughs> don't do that. You just wait. You just wait. I don't want to hear about dirbatachtenim yet. Let's talk about our desire to leave this crazy world and go up to the one and be one with the one. Yes, that's gvura. And that's that love that comes from gvura. Okay. Vahainu, al yedei This is the element of fire that's in the godly soul coming out. And it makes you thirsty. It may also make you physically thirsty. I was going to say, not physically thirsty, but the truth is all this stuff is aligned, so it could definitely have an effect on your physiological situation, your homeostasis. It could make you thirsty. Well, it's a pasuk from Tilla. No, no, I'm saying is it in the Tanya right now? Yeah, it says Samalukha no, no, no. I'm not that spontaneous. No, it literally says Samalukha oh, Nafshi. Wow, okay. Love that. So you, this love makes you, I'm thirsting, I'm yearning, I just want to get out of here, I want to go to Hashem, I'm longing for Hashem. Okay. And then you come to a level of lovesick. Lovesick, pining for Hashem. And then you come to expiration of the soul. Soul can't take it anymore. It just pops out of the body and goes and becomes one with God. That's it. I'm getting out of here. I just want to be one with the all. Like it says, also my soul has yearned for you. This spiritual quality that we're describing is actually the spiritual source for the Levium, the tribe of the Levites. 
the Levites are a, an embodiment of this spiritual quality, just like the Kohanim we mentioned earlier are a personification of Chesed. Brackets, but in the future when the world will be elevated, the Levim will be the Kohanim. Like the Arizal says, the expression it uses in the Torah, the Kehanim, the Levim, the Levim now, will be Kehanim in the future. Okay, let me, just, let me just break that down real quick. First of all, halacha does not change. Halacha does not change. So the descriptions of the duties of Kohen and Levi will not change. And the status of a Kohen and a Levi will not change. So then what does it mean the Kohanim will become the Levium? So the Arizal explains that this means that in the future the reincarnations will work as such that souls that used to come as Levium babies will come into Kehanim families and the soul and vice versa the souls that used to be born in Kehanim families will be born in Levium families. Obviously we have to follow halacha and if you're born to a father who's a coin, you're going to be a coin. If you're born to a father who's a levy, you're going to be a levy. But what will happen is the souls that normally were fit for one family will be flipped and... So someone who is a levy is going to come back as a... No. Everyone's going to come back the way they were. It's very simple, okay? Where if, if, even if you don't understand any of this Kabbalistic stuff, when Mashiach comes, we're still going to just determine Kayin by if your father was a Kayin. Okay? Not, not, no, not halakhically. What? They become flipped. Okay, so. Okay, so. Can you marry the Borsay? Uh, I need, I need, I need, I need to, it's too much, too much, too much, too much, hold on, hold on, too much Bina, yeah, exactly. You want to understand? You don't want to understand. Okay. He said here that in the future, what's going to happen to the world? We read the words, what did he say? That's a symptom of it. He said, what's going to happen to the world? Read the words. Below Asid in the future. It goes up. Elevate. Okay. There will be an elevation in the world. And then he mentions one symptom is the Kahanim are going to be the Levium. Or the Levium are going to be the Kahanim. What does it mean the world is going to be elevated? It means the world is going to be perfect. Right now, this world is imperfect. Right now, it is an aliyah to leave this world and go to higher worlds, which are spiritual worlds, which are holier and loftier and nicer and better and kinder and much more pleasant. So that's the aliyah, is to get out of the physical world and go up to the spiritual world. But when the physical world is finally perfected, then this world's going to actually become not only perfect compared to how it used to be, it's actually going to surpass all of the heavens, which is why Trias Mason will have to happen, the resurrection, because the only way the souls will be able to go up any higher is to come back to the physical world, because the physical world will become that ultimate paradox of the merging of finite and infinite. Mm. So when the world is perfect, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Until now, if you have a, a penchant for Gvura, if you're wired for Gvura, where do you want to go? Up there. Why? Because you look at this world and you judge it and you say, it's not nice, I don't want to be here. Let me get out of here, let me go up there. But when this world will become perfect, then Gvura will look at the world and be like, let me get down there. So it'll be this weird reversal. It's also why, I don't want to go into a whole sidetrack, but we f- it, currently, if there's a machleik is shamay v'hillel, if there's a dispute between the schools of shamay and the schools of hillel, 
we follow the school of Hillel for halacha. And generally speaking, Beis Shammai is Gvur and Beis Hillel is Chesed. How, how do you explain that? Beis Shammai generally is Machmer. They are stringent. They say, you can't do that. Well, saying you can't do something, that's not kosher, that's not okay, that's more like Gvura. Um, Beis Hillel is Chesed. They try to find lenient ways of saying, no, you could do that, you could incorporate that into your service of Hashem. So this world is so imperfect, it can't handle Beishamai because Beishamai is just too much of a perfectionist for this world as it is now. So we follow Beis Hillel because Beis Hillel is more practical. Beis Hillel is like, you know the difference between Beishamai and Beis Hillel? The most, like to me, the, most, the one that sums it up, the machlaikis of how are you supposed to compliment a bride? So Beis Hillel says it does not matter, it does not matter Every bride is Kalanovach Suda. They're all beautiful. That's it. Shut up. They're all beautiful. Okay. Beis Shammai, you know what he says? Kameshahi. You say the truth. You just say the truth. Well, I wasn't trying to be mean. I'm just saying the truth. You know what? Why do you have to say anything? Yeah. Why do you have to say anything? I don't know. I, well, you want me to lie? Yeah, we want you to lie. Okay. So Beis Shammai is more like. I, I just, I, I need to measure things against the ideal. And if it doesn't measure up to the ideal, why should I pretend that it doesn't, that, that, that it does? The world can't handle that. So we don't follow Beishama. It's just too lofty for us. But when the world is perfected, then we will follow, and this is also from the Arizal, that we will follow Beishama because then the world will be able to handle it. And similarly, when the world is perfected, Gvura won't make you want to fly up and go away. Gvura will make you settle down. The whole thing will be flipped. Okay. Yeah, probably though. Uh, yeah, everyone will just want to stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you say yeah. when the world is perfected, Mashiach, Mashiach, Mashiach. Okay. Kamesh Amar Harizal. Yeah, I said that. Brackets. Okay, and the brackets. Let's continue. Vavedis Halavim Haisa. Now the Levim's job was to sing and to uh, sing with joy and melody and pleasant sounds in a manner of running and returning. Running and returning is a concept. We find it in the prophet's descriptions of the angels, this sort of buzzing, like they're running and returning. Yeah, there's like this dynamic fluctuation of spiritual energy, running and returning. What it basically means is, this is a deep concept, but it's a com common concept in Chassidus and Kabbalah. Created beings that yearn for closeness to Hashem and they go to Hashem and then they come back to their separate selfhood and then they yearn to return and they just sort of bounce back and forth like a What's that game? What's the game? No. Pinball. Pinball. You guys never play pinball? Boom. It's this lightning flash of spiritual electricity that's sort of pulsating. Pulsating is a good word. It's going back to its source and then it's projecting out and then coming back to its source and that's basically the dynamism that gives uh, energy to the entire creation. That's the, the pulse of life in the creation. The point is it's running and returning. So the Levium are constantly running. They're trying to like get out of here. Just go back to Hashem. Okay. The Avshar Lavoir Inyan Zahetiv Bemichtov. And this cannot be adequately explained in writing. But anyone who's discerning and will think deeply about Hashem, he'll figure it out. Each one on their level. There are those who are excited by this. There are those who are excited by that. And this has to follow 
Yiras Chet. Okay, now we're talking about a little bit of Yira. We've been talking about Ava. Now a little bit of Yira sprinkled in. Yeah. Running. If anything, it will be Gvora. No, because it's up. It's going up. Running is running up. Returning is going back down. Okay, so after the Kedimas Yiras Chet, which means basically you get out of your life anything that is not what Hashem wants because that stuff would separate you from Hashem. How can you be running to Hashem if you're still doing stuff that separates you from Hashem? It doesn't really work. This type of service of Hashem is in a manner of returning. Like it says in Sefer Yitzira, If your heart runs away, return to the oneness. Pirish, what's that mean? If your heart runs away, or your money, that is the desire of your heart and your right ventricle. We spoke about that much earlier in time, and I can explain again. Your yearning, pining, desiring to go back to the bosom of your maker and to throw yourself into, you know, just pour yourself out into him. You want to escape this physical prison to shed the mortal coil, I think as Shakespeare called it. You want to get out of this prison of the body. Then this is what you should think about. Literally place upon your heart. The saying of our sages. Against your will you live. You follow what we're describing? Okay. Here's somebody who has such intense desire to return to Hashem, to get out of the imprisonment of the body, and he wants nothing other than just to get out of here, to go up, to go to Hashem. That's called running. If your heart runs, return to the one. What is return to the one? The oneness, the real oneness. You're yearning for oneness, which means escaping the world, no, that's not the real oneness. The real oneness, as we know, is the paradox of infinite and finite coexisting, which only takes place in the physical world. So ironically, your desire to escape separation and go back to oneness will cause you to fly up, but then it'll hit you that you've got to take a U-turn, hairpin turn, and go right back down, because that's where the oneness really is. And he describes that, as the saying of our sages, against your will do you live. What does it mean, against your will you live? Against your will you live, no, it doesn't mean that we're depressed. Against your will you live means the soul says, why would I want to be separate? Why would I want to live as a distinct and discrete entity, as myself? I want to be one with the everything. Well, why would you want that? Because you don't like your life? No, no, no. I like, it's not a morbid thing. It's a very spiritually lofty thing. It's because I want the oneness. I want the real thing. The real thing is, the, is Hashem's existence, Hashem's absolute reality. That's what I want to be close to. That's, that's all I want. Okay, great. So that's why you came up here. But I have news for you. The ultimate reality of Hashem is expressed ultimately in the physical world where his desire can actually be carried out. So you can come up here to heaven and have a subjective experience of godliness that might be very pleasing to you as a soul, but if you're truly seeking oneness and surrender and to be subsumed within him, you have to go back to the physical world for an objective experience, which is that you be the experience, you be the extension of his will. So it's not about what you're feeling or thinking or witnessing, it's more what you are embodying. Yeah. You have to go up to come down. You have to go up to come down. You have to leave home to come back to it. So like That's I'm the whole point. In infinite you and you're in physical. You can't possibly meet there in physical. You have to go up and then. So somebody who never left, somebody who says, 
Hey, how are you liking the physical world? Oh, it's pretty good. They got potato chips down here. In the summer, there's air conditioning. I'm comfortable. It's good. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the irony of somebody who says, I can't be here. And not, I can't be here because some petty reason. It can't be here because I don't want to be separate from God. I need to be one with him. So you have this intense desire, this gvura desire, flame is burning in you. Get out of here. Escape the body. Go and be one with God. And then so you, you can't realize that here. And one then you escape with God, but why escape now? I realize. And then you get up there. That's what I'm saying. Listen to me. That I'm saying. Listen. I'm, I'm saying it. I'm saying it to you. I heard your question. I understood your question. Remember, I said, if you ask a guy, how's the physical world? He says, great, they got potato chips down here. Eh, that's not the answer. Right, I know. The answer is, I can't be here. Why can't you be here? And not for a petty reason, like I said. I can't be here because how can I live separate from the one? Let me go up there and be one with him. And then you go up there. And they say, you want to really be one with Hashem? Be an extension, be an, be an embodiment of him carry out his will in the physical world. Show that he is present in all worlds. Show that he is present even in the finite. Now you got to go down there. So ironically, I find out that my desire, my intense desire for oneness with God sends me back into the world where I started from. But there's a net gain here. And this is what I want to make sure you understand. If you go up only to come back down, then what did you gain? You're in the same place where you started. So what did you gain? Right. So maybe you're in the same place, meaning, well, I started off being in the physical world, dealing with physical things, and that's why I started. Yeah, but now you have this intensity, and you're taking all of that intensity, that intense desire, and you're channeling it to being here in the physical world. So the net gain is, well, first of all, the clarity you mentioned, you have that recognition, but also the intensity. So you have the intense fervor of the spiritual seeker being channeled into what some people might even describe as pedestrian, day-to-day, banal, physical life. But you realize it's not. You realize it's the ultimate godliness to be able to wake up in the physical world and serve Hashem with a physical body. Yeah. There are some like really holy people who separate from the physical world. And live very Asceticism. Yes. So the Balshamtiv was very against that. Siddhis is very against that. And to spurn the physical world as a form of holiness is considered selfish. If you're really doing it for God, like, I want to get so close to God. It's like somebody who supposedly loves somebody, but then, well, if you love them, do what they want. Like, You know, the, 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 the Mezir Chamagid had a son called Avram der Malach. The Malach means the angel, and they called him the angel because he was an ascetic. And I don't think he was trying to do it. I think it was more his personality. I think that's who he was. He was not interested in the physical world. Uh, and the, the Magid kept on trying to get him to take care of his health and to pay attention to his physical container. And he didn't. He passed away young. Um, yeah, there are holy people. And listen, I'm not putting it down. I mean, like, it's pretty impressive. But if you want to emulate something about holy people, don't emulate that. Is it for you, or is it just how they're wired? They're wired in Gvura, so they're restrained. A person who's wired in Chesed is... Well, you know, it takes a certain spiritual sensitivity. What I'm calling holiness is a spiritual sensitivity. It takes a certain spiritual sensitivity to be more interested in Ruchnius than in Gashmius. But what I'm saying is you have to have... You have to have control over that. Look, most of us don't have... Didn't we learn 
What? Yeah, we're not even talking about tzaddikim right now, anyways. Yeah, we're not talking about tzaddikim, anyways. Yeah. No, nobody's dying here. Nobody's dying. Who's why? Why are you killing people here? Nobody's dying. What do you mean? You're going up. You don't just go up. Going up doesn't mean dying. When somebody's really, really davening, and they're more conscious of the spiritual than what's happening in the room around them, that's called going up. Yeah, people who like the potato chips don't have this problem, 100%. This chapter is not for somebody who's still interested in the potato chips. This chapter is for somebody who has spurned the potato chips, and we say to him, listen, I got really shocking news for you. you got to come back to the place where the potato chips are. Not because of the potato chips, but because this is where true closeness with God can happen. Oh my gosh, now you're combining with the mimer from Wednesday. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. But I can't explain it because not everyone learned that mime. Yes, 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 yes. What? You don't just wake up and say, I'm done with physicality, I want Hashem. Hashem sends something uncomfortable. Okay. So that's another scenario. That's, that's what this is describing. Okay. There are a lot of different ways this could happen. In this chapter, what it's describing is, just like all the chapters from 41 through 50, it's describing a process. So here's the process. You meditate, remember these are all meditations, on the greatness of God, until you just want nothing but that. And you're not interested in your physicality and you're not interested in your separate selfhood. But when that becomes completely like that overtakes you with the most intense type of awareness and desire, ironically, it suddenly flips and the whole direction goes 180 and it plunges you back into your physical life with an intensity and, and clarity. That's, what? Well, it shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't be painful. Well, Here's the thing. It can be jarring, but that's why we're learning about it. We're preparing ourselves for it. Yes, it's a sudden 180. It's a sudden reversal. But we're explaining actually why the 180 makes a lot of sense. And that hairpin turn is actually logical and necessary. Okay, let's finish the chapter here. We should go into Gashmias, but not because we like Gashmias. Because we want oneness with Hashem, and we ultimately realize the, that the, the only real way to have oneness with Him is to come here and to perfect this world. Oh yeah, it would look the same. From an outside observer, he wouldn't know that your involvement in the physical world is because you're actually sublimating or redirecting or, or rechanneling an intense spiritual desire that originally was, was driving you to escape the world? They wouldn't know that just by looking at you. How do you know? You know. You know for yourself. When, you, when that's your kavana, when that's your conscious intention. Yeah, of course, you could always say it and pay lip service to it and fool yourself. But I'm saying, when you actually feel it. Okay, let's, let's, let's finish off the chapter here. Okay. So he said, against your will you live. You live in this physical body to, to enliven it. To draw down the life of all lives down here through the Torah of life, 
betachtainim, to make a dwelling place for Hashem down here, Yisbarach, bebechinis giloi, in a revealed way, commission Yisbarach, la'el, like it was explained above, meaning chapters 35, 36, and 37. Kamesha kosher kodesh, like it says in the Holy Zayar. Lemeve echad be'achad, to bring oneness into oneness. Pirush. That the hidden oneness should become revealed oneness. This is what it means. Come, my beloved. And this is what the saying of the sages is. Against your will you live, against your will you dot, dot, dot. He doesn't say the next word, but you know what it means. Against your will you live, against your will you... So what is that? They get you coming and going. When you're down here, you want to go up there. When you get up there, you oh, let me go back. Yeah, that song. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if that's true because aren't they having like? I feel like my no, dad's the, having the, a class up there. The one thing the souls want up there. Seriously, no. What do you mean they're learning the one, all day? Yeah, but the one thing they want more than anything, they can't do mitzvahs. I understand. But you're saying that like so so blithely. Oh, so we can't. They can't do mitzvahs, so we do them for them. I do. It's a but it's a huge thing. They desperately want to do mitzvahs. So when you do it for them, yeah. it's a really big deal. That's what I do. I okay, do it it's a mom, really big deal. But, but don't say it like, oh, you can't do mitzvahs. Okay, so we do it for them. I'm no, it's they de- desperately desire. They wish really? they could, they wish they could come back and do mitzvahs. Really? And they will come back. Okay. So, how should be your desire? Meaning, they get you coming and going. When you're down here, you want to go up. When you're up there, you, you want to go down. So, what should be your desire? Like, tell me which direction I should point my car. Like it says at length, explaining this Mishnah. Against your will you live with the help of the life of lives. In other words, not because you want it, but because you realize that Hashem is calling upon you to do this as a mission. And he's sustaining your soul in your body because that's where it's needed. So this type of love is a totally different type of love. It's a love that starts off upward as a fiery desire, not like normal love. However, in the end, it goes so extremely, goes to, it's like horseshoe politics, they say. <laughs> right? You get, get the, 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 if, you get, if you get to the extreme right, you come back to the extreme left again. So it's true. So that's what this is. You go so extremely gvura where you want to get out of this world that if you keep following it to its logical conclusion, you come back. Yeah, this is for a Benini. This is for a Benini. Yes, yes. This is for regular people, and even for people who are still working on being a Benini, you can taste this love. Yes. <laughs>